0: Religion, the occult, hubris, and being out of your depth. Being in a place you're not supposed to be at a time when things are transitioning and becoming more hostile. Or being a non-believer in the local religion. These are all themes that we've covered thus far when looking at folk horror in British cinema. But as we close out chapter 2 of season 3 of Chronicle, it's time to take a different tact. This is one of two movies that we are covering in this entire season, where I genuinely feel that you're either with it, or you're not. This movie we're going to discuss on this episode does not follow any formal narrative structure whatsoever. It's rather an experience. And to be honest, it's only an experience that you'll understand if you're from these islands. And it's probably why this movie is so hard to find or watch out with these islands. On today's Chronicle, we take a different pace entirely as we look at the lesser-known but rather phenomenal Requiem for a Village. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish and you're listening to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Ignition. T-10. Nine, eight, seven, six, five. Zero. and welcome back to chronicle podcast this is season three Episode number six, the final episode in chapter two of our look at British folk horror cinema. It feels great to be back, albeit this episode has arrived later than originally planned. There are military reasons behind this, but let's just keep it nice and short. There is a ton of stuff happening on my other show, the podcast under the stairs, as we gear up for a summer series which covers a hundred movies on 10 planned episodes. So as you can imagine, there's a lot going on over there. However, it feels great to be back here chatting about folk horror cinema and finally getting to one of those little gems of a movie that when I was originally curating this list, I thought this is where I may make or break the audience here. Because this movie isn't easy to find by any stretch of the imagination. If you're in the UK, you might be able to get one of those out of print DVDs, or failing that, you can stream it for a cost on the BFI player. But out with the UK, I don't think this has got any sort of formal release at all, and to be honest with you, if it did, I imagine that this is a niche market for sure. This is the sort of movie that you really just don't understand unless you are from the UK, and essentially, if you're from rural UK. But we're gonna get to that very shortly. Before we do, It's probably worth just checking as to where we are going after this chapter. The final chapter will jump forward several years because essentially as you come out of the 70s, folk horror cinema kind of grinds to a halt, for lack of a better term. It won't resurface until the 2010s. And then it's one man who primarily takes charge of this and drags us forward at pace. And that man is Ben Wheatley. The final three movies that will be covered under the Chronicle season three banner are weird examples of homage to 70s folk horror cinema, different takes on themes covered in some of the movies we've already discussed an out and out mad creative genius and we will be kicking that off after a break in July. So Chronicle will return in August bringing you the final three movies of this season. There's also a ton of stuff happening just now on this Feed the Teapots Collective. We are mere episodes away from finishing season one of Opera Omnia, looking at the aforementioned Ben Wheatley. We are continuing the good fight on doing the nasty, working through the section three titles of the video nasty list, myself and the phenomenal Mark Ball. And also, hopefully you've been checking out where to begin with Jallo. It is something I have found immensely fun and the audience interaction and participation at the moment is just that cherry on top of the sundae for sure to make that show feel a bit more inclusive and a bit different from everything else currently on this feed. So make sure you're checking those episodes out. A brand new episode of Where To Begin With Jallo will fall this week on this feed so keep your eyes peeled for that. Over on my main page, the podcast under the stairs, like I said earlier, we are gearing up to begin a massive 10 episode, 100 movie jaunt as we look at our summer teapots top 10 series, looking at the decade known as the 2000s. If you've done one of those series before, you will know they are massive, include many guest hosts and many moving parts, hence why this episode has dropped a bit later than originally planned. It's going to be a very competitive, incredibly compelling season of shows this year. So hopefully you'll jump across and check out the podcast under the stairs for more information. Right, let's turn our attention to this movie. And different from how we've covered all the other ones thus far, there isn't any great stories in the background of how this movie was made. So I'm going to do something that I don't tend to do on Chronicle Podcast. What I'm gonna do is just review this movie. Just flat out review this movie. Like I said, if you're in the UK, you can check it out on the BFI player. It'll cost you about three pound 50 and it's about an hour and eight minutes long. Now, I'm not telling you that you have to check out this movie. Like I said before, non-narrative structure to this one for sure. It's more an experience A weird, surreal, trippy experience as we follow one man's musings over the changing face of his village. But if you do, you might just get a kick out of this review. You're listening to Chronicle Podcast. Stay with us. Upon first visiting this movie, it's difficult to really call it a horror movie at all but then folk horror itself seems to be a term that has been associated in some ways encapsulating a series of films which at times are out and out horror movies but at other times are more about an experience, more about um, a rural area, more about actually encapsulating the visuals of the British countryside. And that's kind of where Requiem for a Village sits comfortably. It's not a movie that even necessarily drags itself into any horrific territory albeit there are scenes at times that are very much from the pages of horror themselves. The way they're shot and captured though are what maybe elevate them out with the kind of quote-unquote tackier tropes of 70s horror movies. It's also one of the reasons I feel that this movie is widely overlooked because it's not niche enough to be a horror movie for consideration on lists compiled by academics and critics. And at the other side, not really all that accessible that your average film fan is going to call this one up ...for a Saturday night viewing with friends over beer and popcorn. It really is about an experience. The first time I watched A Field in England by Ben Wheatley... ...I kind of felt the same idea. There are certainly scenes of pure horror and terror in that movie for sure. But what gravitated my attention strongly to the movie overall was its sense of grandeur and the scenery in which it's set. The field itself is very much a character. And when you are aware of its presence as being a character, its ever-changing landscape as we continue following those characters, is very much like the journey the characters go on themselves. From when we first meet them to where they end up, they all have massive arcs that, are wild, crazy, manic and uneven very much like the territory in which they walk. Requiem for a village in a lot of respects is kind of like that to me. It's the changing landscape from a small rural town community as it starts with simple folk tending to the grounds, partaking in local traditions And the sense of small community and township that rural England was built on and sadly has kind of left. In the journey through the flashbacks in the movie, which we're going to get to in a second, I think we start to see the ever-changing landscape of the times and that disconnect start to happen between the people that live in the village, how they see each other, the closeness being separated, the walls going up and by the end of it, rows and rows of identical houses, housing families that will not speak to each other and not know each other's names. It's a transition away from the good old days, a time where community was first and foremost to an ever-changing society about to be consumed with the materialistic consumerism of the 1980s. It's a fascinating place to start and I know what you're thinking Duncan nothing you've described thus far even seems remotely in the realm of horror. You specifically said there were scenes that were ripped from the pages of horror. Out of context well, let me give you some examples of those. Bodies arising from the grave. Think Night of the Living Dead. Now, think rural England with less dramatic music, no zombie makeup, and fully clothed individuals pulling themselves from their graves to bring forth their history, their time, and flashbacks. In the middle of this movie, as well, there are graphic rape sequences. Now, I say graphic. And what I mean is by 70s standards and by some of the movies we've seen thus far it's on point with them. If you're watching something along the lines of Blood and Satan's Claw it's in that level of sexual deviance when it comes to the rape sequences portrayed on the screen. And it's without warning and right in the middle of the movie. To some people with a squeamish disposition, you will see a pregnancy and a birth on screen. And the camera doesn't shy away. You will see a baby be born from the position that most men don't want to be at and most women wince when they see it. And in comparison to a movie like The Wicker Man, for example, which certainly leads to a horrific end, what you see in this movie as pertains to the rape, as pertains to the birth. You could put that alongside there for certain audiences to be as horrified as they would be watching The Wicker Man. It's all about context and it's all about delivery. And Requiem for a Village, because of its weird structure, because of its, like I said, non-narrative structure, delivers these scenes as a matter of fact and as a result when they land it can be a bit disorientating how you ended up there from a flashback that started somewhere else. Freud would have a field day in this movie as there are other scenes and flashbacks that basically show a child witnessing their parents have sex and when I say parents having sex it's the man that's instigating an once again, almost forcing himself upon his wife. And all this is lynchpinned by an old man. A man who has lived through several decades of change in his little village. His role in the movie is purely to tend to the cemetery itself. He travels on his bike every day, passing people that he no longer knows. and a town that he no longer recognises to spend time with people who have passed away that he knew, tending by cutting the grass around their graves, haunted by visions of these people digging and clawing themselves from the earth. He whispers words to them, and we can't always hear what he says, but it seems to be of comfort to him to spend time amongst people that have passed. Through his interactions at the cemetery, we get these lengthy flashback scenes following the change and transition of this town. From a time before machinery to the inclusion of machinery. And then later on we juxtapose the way that fields are tended using hand-held scythes to combine harvesters, tilling the land. Or the way he traverses the town by bike juxtaposed by the new generation travelling by motorbike. These things go hand in hand. The very vestige of an old man's last gasp at trying to hold on to a world that he feels that he should belong but maybe time has moved on in such a way that he's no longer anchored to the things that feel familiar. It's an interesting concept for sure but it's the direction the cinematography and the delivery that makes this movie very special. Trippy is a word that we flung around a couple of times, specifically when talking about movies like Witchfinder General in this season, or some of the weird dance sequences in Blood and Satan's Claw, or even in The Wicker Man. This movie is trippy in that it doesn't, really set out to do anything in the way of conventional story is a series of, as I said earlier on, flashbacks and montages to different time periods within a small town. The way things were done contrasted with the way things are done now. The change in the landscape not only in an environmental capacity but a change in the landscape in terms of his social capacity which the director highlights almost documentary style. There's something whimsical and horrific about what you see on the screen. It's what makes it so compelling to someone like me. I enjoy movies that approach things from a slightly different angle and this movie certainly does it. There's Very few movies that I would compare this to and it almost feels like a wholly unique experience and that's kind of why I highlighted it to run through this. Now, I'm not breaking ground here. I am not the one saying, well, for your consideration, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Requiem for a Village. This movie I consider folk horror. Now discuss. It's not like that at all. The BFI itself recognises this as one of the template movies within the genre at the tail end of its initial run of popularity. Celluloid Wickerman, who once again I would encourage everyone to go and read on his website, he has books on folk horror cinema but specifically essays on this movie that are worthy of a read where he highlights... um, the poetry of Philip Larkin alongside this, the influence and the impact. It's fascinating reading and in the context of what you see on the screen, works really well and is worthy once again of academic approach. To me, Requiem for a Village is a movie that will either make or break an audience. Not make or break because it will test your mental, like a movie like Cannibal Holocaust, for example, where you will sit there and watch that and be horrified by the scenes that you'll see on the screen. Or I Spit in Your Grave, a movie that desperately tempts the audience to look away. Rather, this movie is abstract. It's different. It's uncompromising in its approach. And as such, you will either enjoy the experience and traverse through it, or you just won't enjoy it and or get it. And that's fine. Cinema is not made for everyone. Well, let me change that. Cinema is made for everyone, but like art, those that appreciate certain types of cinema are few and far between. This specific movie here is as niche as niche can get. And I think if you have the opportunity, the inclination, where you have an hour and eight minutes and a couple of quid spare, it's worth taking a punt on this one. It's on the BFI player in the UK, so it's not hard to find. You can get on any smart device, tablet, or your computer these days. And what a world to live in now, where a movie like this can be streamed directly on your computer. A movie that didn't have much fanfare when it came out, hasn't been seen by that many people or widely regarded at all, out with small pockets and small circles like a resistance faction discussing plans on folk horror takeovers. It's an interesting example of where the genre would go before taking a break, and it's on the cusp of the first ...break in folk horror cinema... ...before it's resurgence. some 30 years later... ...when we... ...go a bit more traditional... ...look back before Requiem for a Village... ...and at no point... ...slow down the terror. Check it out if you have a chance. It's a rewarding movie for sure. Or should I say... ...it's a rewarding experience. Because there are very few movies that feel like Requiem for a village. And you've been listening to Chronicle Podcast. This has been season 3, episode number 6, the final movie of chapter 2 in our look at British Folk Horror Cinema. Hopefully you enjoyed that one. It's slightly different from the approach we usually take by going just for a more conventional review of the movie, which is not easy when your movie is as abstract as Requiem for a Village is. If you want to check it out, like I said in the review, it's available on the BFI player. It costs about £3.50 and you'll get it for, I think it's seven days. It'll be your copy of the movie. Um, It is available on DVD and I believe what is he out of print and as a result prices can vary on that one. So this is the sort of movie I would recommend streaming first before you start shelling out your cash and then hating me for all the money you've spent. Now Chronicle Podcast is going to take a short break like we did at the end of chapter one for a month but we will return in August in um, traditional fashion with something very punchy. When we come back, we will be looking at Kill List, which is the movie that a lot of people see as the first big foray back into folk horror cinema and one of my favourite directors behind the camera, the mighty Ben Wheatley himself. If you are interested in Ben Wheatley, we are covering them just now in Opera Omnia season one. We're doing all these movies and myself and Mr. Watson, who is my guest on that season, have already discussed Kill List at length. So go back on this feed several months ago and you will see that episode there, so catch up there. And I will be back to discuss it on Chronicle Podcast in August. There's also loads of content on this feed from other shows whether it be doing the nasty whether it be a little bit of where to begin with Jalo, there's something for the genre fan out there for you on this feed so make use of it all this content is free from me to you visit our facebook group page it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash chronicle podcast Not much interaction over there with the shows being posted, but I wait the day you guys want to start conversing over there for sure. Chronicle Podcast is recorded by me and written by me for you. Join me in one month's time as we take a trippy, trippy ride into the world of hitmen and the occult. But until the next time, remember: petty fortune telling was the field of the wishful, which is dealt in blood and bones. This is Duncan Macleish from Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old-world horrors. Until the next time. Ignition. T-10. Nine, eight, seven, six, five. zero left on